0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was so wonderful. I love today. I love Resurrection Sunday. I love the season of Passover. As painful as it was, I love what it means to us now. You know, I mean, we're so rejoicing and we're so excited. So Father, I ask you to pray. I, I, I ask you to bless your word. We pray over, over your, the word of God today, over each heart, Lord, that we would receive That blessing, we've already received it in your presence today. And we just thank you again for what you did on the cross at Calvary, Lord. We thank you for this life that we can now live. We are redeemed. We are redeemed. Amen. Well, all of you look beautiful. Many of you. Oh, yes, yes, we have children's ministry. All children. Who's taking children's ministry? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we have children's ministry for all the children that want to go. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Children's ministry. Easter Sunday, special things. Resurrection stuff going on over there. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Lots of fun in the children's ministry. I wish I was going. I've been having fun with children. I've been with my grandchildren the past few days, and it's been such a blessing. You know, when they're young, they keep you going, and they keep you revved up. So don't, don't tell me I look a little tired today, <laughs> because I'm present into that resurrection life and power. We did a lot of driving. Uh, at Christmas, uh, we were given beautiful tickets to go to the Sight and Sound Theater. And the name of the play they're doing, do any of you know about the Sight and Sound Theater down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Some of you do. It's wonderful. And I want to tell you, Lonnie and I were talking on the trip. I said, I can't tell them how wonderful it was unless I tell them we could all go. We could do a trip. And we could go see it again because it was such a profound play. And it is such a theater. It's like no theater you've ever seen. I mean, there are animals. There's camels. There's, there was everything going on. It was so powerful. And the play is called, one word, Jesus. 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 It was so powerful and so inspired, and I'm still running on that inspiration that I had. And so we can talk about a lot of things, and I I know some of you are new Christians, and you may not know all the story, but I'm going to direct you to the text in uh, John chapter 20 and 21. Go home and read that. You'll hear the entire story. I know you've been talking about it. We've been talking about it. But I just don't want to just talk about the resurrection, because we're going to be talking about the resurrection uh, next week, and in the rest of Passover, and in the days to come, so you know what we're celebrating today, but I want to tell you something, we did a lot of driving, we had a lot of fun with the kids before, I just, I I said, Lonnie, I can't teach today, I have to preach, it's just on me to let it come out, and let the Holy Spirit flow, but I'm so glad that Steve is here today, because when Steve preaches, he likes to tell cute little uh, sayings, and I've got a story. I've got a story to tell you. It was Pastor's birthday. He's a Passover baby, and uh, it was his birthday while we were down there in Lancaster. On the day, we went to see the the, uh, thing, and, you know, we did so many hours of driving. And so um, at some point, Pastor gets pulled over, and the police officer comes up, and he's saying, uh, you know, can I see your license and everything? And he looks in and he says, oh, uh, Reverend. Uh, he says, uh, have you been drinking? <laughs> and and uh, he says, uh, just water, officer. And uh, he says, well, I'm a sm- I smell wine. And Lonnie says, Jesus must be at it again. (laughs) Now, for those of you who didn't pick up on it, the first miracle, the first miracle that Jesus ever did was turn water into wine. Come on. That was the first miracle he did. And some of you ought to be practicing that. You know, it will save you a lot of money. Okay? Praise the Lord. So I wanted to bless you with that story. We did have some fun and some fun times, lots of laughter, joy, and we had shed many tears during watching that play. But we're here today to celebrate Jesus. And I can tell you, we could talk all day on resurrection, but i got to talk about Jesus and what he did. That was so inspiring. I just told you, he, he turned water into wine. He went down to the Sea of Galilee, and some of us got to go there in November, December. We got to see the sea. We got to see where they were hanging out. And he went down there, and he saw the boys of Galilee down there. They were fishermen. They were a little on the edgy side. You know, they were fishermen. They they just, you know, they hung out together. Who knows what they were talking about. But they weren't saved. They were trying to practice their religion of the day, and they were trying to do it with a religious spirit. But when they got out of temple, they were guys, and they were the boys of Galilee, and they were hanging out with each other. And on the days when they didn't catch fish, you know, there might have been a word that came out that they didn't like. They'd been out all night, and nothing was there. But Jesus wanders in, and he sees the boys of Galilee. And he comes out one day, and they've been out probably fishing, he, you know, he always arrives when there's a down moment sometimes in your life, doesn't he? That's what, and the reason he's always there, but you just notice it because when you're having a down moment in your life, you're looking for Jesus. Where are you, Lord? What's going on here? But anyway, Jesus shows up, and he chooses some of his disciples that day. Peter, Andrew, some of the guys on that boat. And he said, hey, follow me, and I'll teach you to be fishers of men, fishers of men. And they're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Let's let's go, look, there's no fish. We're going home to our wives to tell them, and they're going to be upset that we didn't have any catch today and worried about the money, and let's go follow Jesus and see what's happening. He did so many things, didn't he? What about the Sermon on the Mount? What about when people started following Jesus? He got up there. He's teaching them. He's telling them stories. He's just that kind of guy you wanted to hang out with Jesus. That's the way he is for me. I want to hang out with Jesus. He's my friend. He was their friend. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. It was overlooking the Sea of Galilee. You could see all the region and the mountains. And he was giving them hope, and he was speaking about the Beatitudes, and they'd never heard anybody talk like him before. They were used to the rabbis in the temple and all the do's and the don'ts and the lists and everything. And he's talking about what you can have if you have these attributes and qualities. This is what Father has for you. And they'd been there all day. You know, sometimes they were there at all times. And then what about when he fed the 5,000? They were hungry. They'd been there. Believe me, there's no McDonald's. There, you can't even find fast food over in that area even today. There's nothing to eat unless you go down to the sea and you catch the fish and you start a little fire on the shore and you cook it. So nobody had been cooking. They'd been listening to Jesus. But a little boy came and he had a basket with a few fish in it, a couple loaves of bread, you know, not much. And he tells his disciples go get it let's feed them and they're like what is he talking about and suddenly he prays over they blessed that basket of food and it didn't stop and they fed the multitudes and there were leftovers there were more leftovers than what they started with i want to tell you about jesus that's some of what he did what else did he do you got any other ideas What about when they were out in the boat and there was this huge storm that came up and the waves were crashing and the disciples thought they were going to drown? I mean, really, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level, and they say it is really interesting, the weather there, the way a storm can come right up. You know, they don't have the weather channel on their phone. We're talking about the olden days. Some of you young people are like, how did they not know a storm was going? But they didn't, and they get out there, and suddenly it's crashing waves. And the waves can go, and the winds can blow down in that valley. And suddenly they're fearing for their life. They're terrified, and they're thinking, we're just starting to live. We're just starting to feel life coming in because they've been hanging out with Jesus. We've been giving them hope. Maybe not that long ago, they didn't care if they perished or not. They were tired of what they had, but they had some hope and they didn't want to die at that moment. I mean, they're like, why isn't Jesus here? We've seen him do these, you know, like, wow, well, we're going to perish in the storm. And suddenly somebody sees something walking on the water and crashing. It wasn't level. It wasn't calm. Waves, giant waves tossing a fishing boat, just a wooden boat with sails blowing it, rocking, rocking, water taking over. Salt, uh, it's not uh, <clears throat> salt water, but water coming in the boat. And suddenly they see, they, are, they think it's a ghost, but it's Jesus walking on the waters, walking on the waters. Now think, he's not walking... Sometimes we imagine this, that it's flat like this. But Jesus is walking on the waves. He's wa- walking. He's walking between upon these violent waters, and he's walking to them. He's walking to them. And then Peter's like, hey, wait a minute. That's, that's, that's Jesus coming in here. And Jesus comes in. and And he's so... Stirred up that Jesus can walk on the water in the storm. And Jesus says, hey, come on out here. Come on, I bid you come out. And he throws a leg over. And he gets rocked out. And he hits the water. And he says, keep coming. And he's walking. And he's walking towards Jesus. And now Peter's walking on the water. He had faith. He believed that he could do it too. If Jesus can do it, I can do it. And that should be the hope of all of us right now because Jesus told us, the word of God tells us that greater things than these shall ye do. You, if you're my disciple, greater things than these things that I've done are you going to do. So we've got to get busy practicing this. And it starts with practicing your faith, increasing your faith. When the enemy comes and tells you, this is impossible. You say, no, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. I heard Jesus say that. I read that in the Word. I heard Pastor preach it. I heard Pastor Berlani talk about it. I've heard them talking, talking about wild stories, about things that God has done in their lives, and I'm going to believe. And I'm going to start taking faith, and I'm going to start walking in it. Start walking in it. He grabs Peter, loses heart, and he starts to sink in those waves. He would have been lost, but Jesus reaches out his hand, and he pulls him up, and they walk together back to the boat. And then he reaches out, and he looks out, and they're all in awe of what they just saw, and like, is this really happening? Have I already died? Am I dreaming? Am I unconscious? What's going on? But Jesus, just as the sun is shining in here, looks out to the sea and he says, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And somebody left me a present over there. There's a sign in that says, Be still. Be still. So we've learned from the story over the years that when we're in the middle of a storm in our life, there's a potential for us to be able to walk on water with Jesus in the middle of it. There's a way that we can stand. Greater things than these shall you do. And we can say to the storm that's about us. It might not be a storm on the Sea of Galilee, but many of you are acquainted with storms in your life that come. Jesus said there would be. But he's right there in the middle of it. That's just another. What else did he do? There's so much. How about when he went and sailed on over to Gadarene? It was a strange area. There was a lot of cults over there going on, a lot of weird religious practices. And there was a man over there. They got out of the boat on the shore, and the disciples are probably thinking, what the heck are we doing here? Because people don't come to this area. I mean, they have graveyards that are close to the shoreline here. This is a little weird. What are we doing on this part? We, we, aren't we headed up for Capernaum and the shores that we're, you know, where we usually hang out? In that area. But Jesus leads him and he gets out of the boat. And he sees a man that's crazed. He's ripped his clothes off. Nobody can get near this guy. He's filthy. He doesn't shower. He's crusted on with filth and stink. And he's insane. And he's depraved. And they're saying, just picture this. Jesus, hey, stop. Don't get too close to that guy. I mean, look at him. no. You know, he's out here sleeping and hanging. He's naked. I mean, this is disgusting. And what does Jesus do? He walks right over to him. He walks right over to him. He probably grabbed him and hugged him. I mean, we don't know. It doesn't tell us that he hugged him. But but that's the way he was. When the lepers came around saying, I'm clean, I'm clean, and everybody was running to get away from them, Jesus was walking over to them. He was different. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of anything. He was fearless. He was absolutely fearless. And he goes over to this guy. And you remember the story? You remember the story? The guy's crazy. Okay. Crazy. That's my rendition of crazy. But he walks over. Just imagine those... I mean, he hadn't hadn't been trimming his fingernails. Who knows what he was eating? Who knows if he was cooking the fish, he might have gotten out of, you know, the dead fish. I mean, he was unclean. And Jesus said, what is your name? What is your name? And out came the voice of demons. He was demonized. He was demon-possessed. That means demons were living inside of him. That means demons were coming and oppressing him at every moment of every day. That means that demons had taken over the organs in his body, the systems. It means the demons had taken over the thought processes, what he could think about. And out of his mouth... The demon spoke and said, Kathy's rendition. My name is Legion. That's a good one. I mean, I'd like to see you come up here and do that. I'm trying to get our teenagers enthralled about the word of God. But that's what he said. And he didn't go, Oh, my name's Legion, how are you? Who who are you? You know, he was crazy. He was demon possessed. And legion stands for over 2,000 because as they knew it in those times, the legions of Rome, the Roman army, their legions were over 2,000 in groups of two, at least 2,000 uh, soldiers. And so the, the the disciples understood that there was a lot of these demons in here. And they're probably like inching back for the boat, like... We may have to make a run for it, okay? But Jesus touched this man, and he cast out every single demon. And this man was set free. Just like we heard Barbara sing the song, he was redeemed. redeemed. Now, what redeemed him? The power of God. But what touched him first? The love of God. Everyone else was afraid. But Jesus touched him. He touched him. He loved him. And I can't imagine what the, what the disciples looked like. I can't imagine what was going on in their mind. How about, how about the day that the Pharisees, uh, you know, the religious people, that's who they were, the uh, priests came and they dragged this woman they drag this woman in and they throw her down before Jesus and they said, we, we caught this woman and she's in the midst of adultery. And you know what the law Jesus says about that. We have to stone her. And What stoning means is they picked up big rocks and they threw rocks until she breathed her last breath. That's what happened when they stone people. They throw big rocks on you. Believe me, they knock you out, they hit your head, your body, you're bruised, you're bloody. That's what the law calls for. We have to stone her. But what did Jesus do? We don't know for sure, but many think in the tradition of the church that it was Mary Magdalene. Some think that. It doesn't say Mary Magdalene. It said this woman. But were it to be Mary Magdalene, we know that she too... Jesus cast seven spirits out of her because she was a prostitute. And he redeemed her. And she loved him forevermore. But at this moment, this woman is there, and they're waiting for him to make a mistake. They're trying to trick him. And what happens? He writes something in the, in the dirt, and he looks at all the accusers that had grown gathered around with rocks, including the priests, and the religious ones. And he said, okay, you who are without sin cast the first stone. You throw the first stone. And they were so convicted. They were guilty. They were convicted and they walked away one by one and they dropped their stones and left. And all that was left was Jesus and this woman. And she's thinking, I'm just about to be executed and they've all walked away and here is Jesus. Can you imagine the love that was in his eyes when they looked at each other, when he looked at her and helped her up? And he just said, Woman, where are your accusers? Look around. Now go and sin no more. That's what Jesus did who so we're celebrating today. That's your Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's the kind of man he was. He was a 100% man of faith. Amen? 100% man of faith. And if it was, Mary, and we do know the story, I told you he cast seven devils out of her demons. She followed him the rest of her life. She loved him. In fact, she was at the grave when he was resurrected. She was the first person he appeared to. Come on. You'd think it would be, in our minds, we think, oh, it would be Pastor. Pastor Lonnie, he's a good man. No, Jesus will show himself to Pastor. We don't think like Jesus does. You know who he appeared to? Somebody who loved him with all her heart. Someone that loved him with all her mind and with all her soul, who was shattered by watching the cruelty of humanity against another and the suffering. And she couldn't bear to be without him, she couldn't bear that. And she was the first one down to that tomb as soon as they could go. One of the last ones to see them as they took Josephus and the others, took him over to the tomb to try to clean him up and lay him to rest. These are just some of the things that Jesus did. How about the woman he healed of 18 years of bleeding? She'd been to all the doctors, who knows who else she went to, because when you're desperate, you're desperate. You'll do anything. Eighteen years of sickness. And he's already on his way, being called. Where was he on his way to? He was on his way to another commission. His friend Lazarus had been sick. They, They wanted him to come. But this woman stops the journey and she touches him and he turns around and heals her. And when talking about Lazarus, what about Lazarus? That was his friend. He was always hanging out at their house. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha loved to she was a busy she was a busy bee. And she was always working and working hard. But she didn't have a balance in her life. She did all the chores and everything and she just didn't have time to just come and sit down and listen at Jesus' feet to the stories he would tell. And, her, and so Martha was mad because her sister Mary, Lazarus's sister, Mary was just not doing all the work. She wasn't helping her set the table. She wasn't helping her get the food ready to feed everybody. She's out there sitting by Jesus, just drooling. The love of her life. It's such a man of God. She's in love. She loves Jesus. She'd do anything for him. And Mary comes out there and says, tell her to come and help me. He's like, Mary, what is your problem? He says, Mary, Martha, Mary has chosen the good part. You need to get, you know, basically get some of this in your life. All these things have to be done, but I'm not going to be here very long. You better hang out with me while you can. They, had, they, were, they were good friends. He was always going down to their house. This time Lazarus got sick. This time Lazarus was sick. Very sick. And before Jesus could get there, in the travels from where he was, Lazarus was dead. Not only was he dead 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 he was in a cave they put him in to the tomb he'd been in there for 4 days and they had the mourners there and when you when you go to a middle eastern funeral they mourn for days and they stay outside and they oh and they do this and that's multitude by by people in egypt they actually at deaths and funerals they hire mourners to come they pay them to come and mourn did you know that And they come and they groan and they cry and they get down on their hands and they beat themselves and they beat the ground. Okay, come on. Come on, I'm telling you true. That's what I said. I'm expecting an amen from you brother today. Get up here and sit by me. Come on. Come on, I want to hear those amens. Get this crowd shouting like they would be doing in Ghana. But it's true in these other cultures. They're mourning, mourning, mourning. And here in America... We try to keep it, you know, quiet. We kind of dab our tears. We don't want to break down in front of anybody. But in those countries, it's like, get it out. Get it out. And and to them, the more and the louder you mourn, the more you love. I mean, that's that's what you're saying. And they all come and mourn the death of this loved one. Well, they turned it into a business. I don't think it was a business in Jesus' day, but who knows? Who knows? He did turn over the tables of the money changers, didn't he? What else did he do? So he went there that day and they show up and they go, Jesus, where were you? And the sisters, Jesus, where were you? He's dead. It's too late, you're too late. And he's just impacted by all the crying and the and the true love of this man. Lazarus was a good guy. Everybody was really gonna miss him. And Jesus went up there, and, and the other sister comes, and he says, she's like, where were you? And, and he's like, where, where did you lay him? Like, where is he? And she says, up here, I'll show you. And she takes him up to the path, wherever this, wherever this cave was that they put him in, the tomb. And he's, he's talking to some people, hey, go roll the stone back. And she's saying, no, no, Lord, you can't do that. You know, that would be humiliating. We'd be smelling the stench. He's already decaying. It's been four days in the heat of this country. And it gets hot. It's deserty. It's dusty. And he insists. And so the guys go up and they roll the stone. And everybody, you know, is around that cave. And suddenly Jesus looks up and he had wept himself. The Bible says it's the shortest verse. Here's a verse you can remember. It's two words. This would be the first one. You may say, oh, I just have a hard time memorizing scripture, but this is one you can remember. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, and he wept that day. And he spoke, and all he said, he didn't say, okay, okay, I want the real intercessors here. Get the intercessors here. Bring them up here. I want them to really intercede. Who's been fasting? Okay, let's go for it. He didn't do that. He just went up. And he spoke from wherever he was. And he looked at that open door of that tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And seconds later, here comes the body of Lazarus that had been wrapped in linen garments. And he's alive. And he's coming out of the tomb. And they're not smelling the stench of death, Amen? They're not smelling the stench of death. He resurrected Lazarus from the grave, and they, he turned their mourning into joy. He turned their ashes into life, to glory, and they were parting, and they're ripping his clothes off. I mean, who knows what they were thinking? Can they... Who is this man that casts out demons? Who is this man that touches and heals leopards? Who is this man that that loves anyone and heals the sick and sets the adulterers free? Who is this guy? He's got to be the Christ. He's got to be Jesus Christ. He's got to be the son of the living God. He's got to be Messiah who we've been waiting for. He's more than a prophet. He's not like any prophet we've ever heard of or or read about. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Can you imagine? Let me tell you, that word got out. The Pharisees didn't like it. The priests didn't like it. They were getting upset. This crowd is going to get out of control, and we believe in crowd control. We believe in proper ceremonial services at the temple. We cannot have this. This is getting out of hand. We've got to deal with this. We've got to do something. This man has way too much influence. The people could come after us if we try to do this. We've got to come up with a plan on how to get rid of him. And surely they did. And we know the story. And even one of his own disciples was deceived. They had the Last Supper, they went him out of all of it. He was taken. He was put on trial. The cheap trial that it was. If you read in the scriptures, judges and trials and things that happened, God had a way that they were to be done, and none of this was done according to the word of God. It was done by emotion and frenzy of the moment, and we see that going on in our own society, do we not? Insanity. Some of the things we read in the news, it's like, what? They're not looking at facts. But that is humanity. And we can go nuts. Just like we're seeing some of it in our own times. And they nailed him to the cross. They beat him. They, uh, they, didn't, they beat him just up to death so they could keep torturing him. You follow me? They wanted to keep that torture party going. And we know that he walked up the Via Del Rosa, he went all the places, he knew he had a mission. And the mission was for you and for me. Because his father had a plan. It was called the plan of redemption of all mankind. We just saw the song dance today. All mankind. And he gave up his life on that cross. Now, not only did he survive the torturing, who could do that? When you watch the movies that are out, The Passion of the Christ, and you see the things that happened, truly happened to Jesus, you know what happens when you step your toe. Don't you? You know what? You've got a festering splinter in your hand. We're undone. How about when you bled as a a child and you got a boo-boo? Mommy, there's blood. Some of my kids would go, they might really get something that might need stitches, but they would say, is there blood? And I was quick to say, "Uh, I don't see any. You know, because if there was blood, it was like, there's blood. There's blood. I'm bleeding. There's blood. You'd have to hide the blood. Blood. There was a whole lot of blood. There was a whole lot of blood. It was interesting. When we were at the play, they did show part of the crucifixion. And my youngest grandson, uh, he said, uh, what is that all over his body? You know, it was in the distance. It was done to where you could take children and they would not be terrified. You know, a young child could come and see it. But they did it tastefully. But, you know, there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of pain. Body, soul, and spirit suffering there. But he did it. And not only did he do it. I mean, when you're in the middle of a bleed <laughs> or you're in the middle of hurting emotionally or physically, you you know, how about women in childbirth? You're in pain, excruciating pain. Are you thinking about, oh, and forgive you all? I forgive you all. Are you thinking about talking to your husband, I forgive you? I forgive you. No. Jesus is on the cross. And what's on his mind? Father. Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm like, yes, they did. Yes, they did, and they plotted it, and they planned it, and you know darn good and well they did. How did he come up with it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had such a deep understanding that they had no idea what they were literally doing. They had it on one level, But he forgave them on the deepest level. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And soon, with his last breath, he said, It's finished, and it was done. And then what happened? A great earthquake occurred. The the, the clouds were rolling. All of creation was crying and mourning the death. There were no professional mourners called in because they were all mourning that knew him. Then there were the partiers that were so happy and still taunting him on the cross. If you're the son of God, then come on down. Show us your mighty power, almighty Jesus. Ha ha ha! Guess he's not going to do it. Guess he wasn't the Messiah that you thought he was. Guess he wasn't the son of God. Guess he wasn't the king of the Jews. But they had no idea. He'd just given his life. Sacrifice for their sins and the sins of all the people born before him from Adam on and for the ones of us who have not been born. He died so that we could be redeemed and have forgiveness of all our sins and that we would not have to feel and touch the sting of death that he felt that day, the pain of it. And then, he died and he went to hell. He went into the spirit realm and he went to hell to get the keys from the devil back. Humanity didn't know, but the devil just lost the great battle for you, the great battle for your soul. He lost it and Jesus got the keys and he brought him up. All of this was going on meanwhile while they're crying and they're taking him to the tomb. And we know we went to the tomb and they sealed him in there. Who doesn't like? I don't even, I don't enjoy elevator rides. It's a little too tight for me, especially when they're full and I'm pressed back into the corner and I can't be the first one out. I just don't like that. I like a little space. Uh, I would say tombs are claustrophobic, right? They're dark. In those times, there were no openings, no windows, no sun rays, no air coming in. No, no AC. I like this. You're sitting up front from now on. Okay. <laughs> You're on the front row, buddy. Front row till God does something else with you. Okay? That's it. Amen. I'm liking that. Come on. We need people. We need, we need these kinds of encouragement. You need to use your mouth and encourage one another. Amen? And the priests were so worried because he had said he was going to rise again. And there was a mixed multitude on this subject. Some believed that there was resurrection, but they did understand it from the Old Testament. Look, Ezekiel, the Valley of the Dry Bones, they understood Resurrection. And they're like, if anybody that we've ever met could pull this off, it would be this cat. And if he can't do it, his followers would do it just to perpetuate the myth and the story. Get those guards down there and stay there. And think of all over the the days that it went, the different guards that came. I mean, they couldn't stand there for four days. You know, there was a guard. They held it. Then they had to go eat and go to the potty room get ready, get a little sleep, and come back for their next shift. Over and over, the guard was there watching the tomb. They sealed the tomb to prove that it hadn't been messed with. The tomb was sealed, even. The stone just wasn't rolled. They sealed it. And guess what? We all know the story. We're here to celebrate it today. Jesus beat dead. The angel came and rolled the stone. And Jesus walked out alive. Walked out alive and Mary was there and she was grabbing him, hugging him and holding him. I'm not going to tell you all the stories. You've got to read it. Read the Gospels. You can read in Luke. Start at chapter, I mean um, John chapter 20. Start reading there. Start reading there. Did you know that there were even people that were resurrected out of their graves did you know that's written in the bible that people that had been dead and they'd been in their graves were resurrected there was earthquakes going on i mean there was stuff talk about the spiritual atmosphere you know we come in we sing songs and we try to get the presence we come into the presence of the lord and we and the presence of god is here today and sometimes we it's demonstr we demonstrate it differently you know it the power of the God's presence can be done in pure silence. It can also fill the atmosphere until we have to jump up and down and shout hallelujah, amen. So everything is okay. <clears throat> I do like quiet, but I do like jump up and down, shout hallelujah. It fits my personality for most of the day, but then I do like the quiet moments. But Jesus walked out of that tomb. He ascended to heaven. He presented himself into the courts of heaven that he was alive. And Father said, Yes, you are. We decree this. You have beaten death. You died on the cross. You have fulfilled the scriptures. You have fulfilled my word. You are 100% alive, certified, alive. Jesus came back. He started going through the rooms. I'm talking about Jesus and what he did. Come on. He showed up when they were over there in the upper room. They were still in the upper room hanging out where they'd had the Last Supper. It was a huge room. Remember, at Pentecost, there was 120 of them in it. So it's not just some little, it's not like your dining room. It was a big space. And they're all up there, afraid, most of them, terrified, whatever they're doing, in hiding. And here comes Mary telling them about it. Half of them didn't believe it. They went back. They checked it out. They did all this stuff. You've got to read about it i only have so much time and it's running out for those of you who might be getting antsy and all of a sudden they're there they're talking they're chatting and suddenly jesus appears it's just like he walked through the wall and they're like what's going on they were afraid He says, don't be afraid at one point he appeared to thomas thomas had heard that they'd all met him they said he's just like hey I'm not believing this story. I think you guys are delusional. You guys have mourned all night. You've had no sleep. It's been a rough, you know, three, four days. I think you guys are seeing things. This is what you want to hear. I'm not going to believe this until I see him and I touch the holes where the nails went in. I'm not going to believe this. And guess what? When they were all hanging out on another occasion... Jesus hung... He appears. And here's... We call him Doubting Thomas. And he said, here, touch it. He even sat down and ate with them. He ate. He could eat food on this plane. He likes Mexican food. I'm convinced of it. It's going to be part of the food of the kingdom. You're going to be able to have that in heaven. So... All these things, glorious things happened. Did you guys know that he was alive and hung out with them? Over 500 people. It tells about, i in, in, read another chapter to read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is talking about all of this. Outside the Gospels. He appeared to all the apostles, including Paul, after he got saved. He wasn't part of the original, and he appeared to him. The miracles, the miracles went on and on after Jesus rose. He was with over, you know, in all these instances, 40 days, he was with them after he rose again. In fact, one day the disciples had been out fishing, another fishing trip that was empty. The dawn had come up, there was no fish. What are we going to do? And they saw somebody on the shore with a little charcoal fire going on. And Peter was straining to say, who is that? Somebody's talking to us. Somebody hollered out and said, hey, cast that net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, hey, we've been out all night. This isn't happening. We're too far in. I mean, we're only 300 feet from the shore. Cast it in. And Peter's straining. He's singing like, whoa, who is that? He says, I, I think that's Jesus. They threw that net over, and how many fish did they catch? A multitude. 153. A huge net, but the net wasn't broken. So at that point, Peter... Peter was in his fishing gear. He had all his clothes. He was kind of stripped down. It's hot. And in his elation of realizing, that's Jesus. That's why we just caught these fish, you guys. And he's excited, and they're 300 feet, and they're now going to have to pull in this haul of fish. And instead, he he puts his clothes on, and then he jumps in the water. I mean, you know, we, we take our clothes off before we jump in the water. And that's how... Confused he was, and he swims, and they eat. Jesus says, hey, bring some of that fish. He had a couple on the fire. He says, bring some of the hull that you just brought in here. Let's clean those things and put them on the fire. He was still doing miracles. And isn't he still doing miracles today? How about the miracles? Think about the miracles he's done in your life. We just saw that dance. He's healed me. He's healed me of diseases that were unto death that they couldn't do anything else about at least on two occasions that I know of what, what are your stories he saved you he redeemed you he was there in the midst of your storm he calmed the saying when demons were trying to mess with your life some of you may have had deliverance and he cast them out of your life in the oppression that's my hero, that's my Jesus I want us to stand up and let's all declare, truly, He is the Son of God. Yes, yes, yes. Please read it. Amen. I love it. Thousands saved, millions saved, billions saved. He's still doing it today. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. Amen. He's Savior, Lord, friend. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's Jesus Christ forevermore. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, forevermore. And he is alive now and forever and he died for me, he died for you, and if you are here today, and you do not know, and you have not received him as your personal savior, Dios te ama, Dios te ama, I'm learning Portuguese, God convicted me about two weeks ago, I was talking to him about how to get other people to come to the church, and he I was off on this other tangent. And he said, well, I've already brought people to you. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, I brought the Brazilians right to you. I have Brazilians sleeping in the apartments above the church. I have brought them in. I have young people. I have whole families. He says, I literally brought them to you. And you haven't learned Portuguese yet I said father I repent Jesus I repent you did I got the app on my phone and I start I'm doing it all the time I was teaching my grandsons on the trip by the time it was done I said go into church tomorrow and just say Dios te ama and they're like what does that mean God loves you and that's what he's shouting in every language of of the world In every nation, he's saying, I love you. Come and give me your heart, and I will come in. Knock. I'm knocking on the door of your heart, and I will come in. Open the door, and I will come, and we will dine together, and we will have a life together. So if there's anyone who wants to renew their commitment to Christ here today, We will pray for you immediately after the service. I don't know about you, but this is good news. This is good news. And please share these stories that I shared with you. Jesus was a storyteller. Go and tell people what Jesus did. And tell them how he did that in your life. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Let's all say, we praise you, Lord. Lord. We praise you, Father. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tuesday, 6 o'clock, is our lamb and chicken dinner. Amen. Tuesday at 6. For those of you that don't like lamb, we'll have chicken. and We'll do it right here in the sanctuary. It'll be the resurrection drama. We normally do it before the Passover. Amen. Also, Kevin said that there's no food bank today, but for anyone from Praise Chapel, go over now and get whatever food you need. Because because there's tons there. And if you have family members you're going to, take some with you.